Hey everybody, this is Andrew from Film Geek Radio. I just wanted to go ahead and apologize for the tardiness on getting this episode out to you. Unfortunately, with Thanksgiving and the holidays and everything going on, last week I did not have internet access at the place I was at, and I was unable to download all the files that I needed and edit the show and get it out to you on time. So the entire network is a week behind, but we're slowly catching up. And now I'm finally able to release this conversation on episode 9 of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Repairs. So again, sorry for the lateness. Please forgive me. We will be recording on schedule as usual next week for the mid-season finale of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. So I hope you will tune in for that. And uh, yeah, enjoy the show. This program is part of Film Geek Radio. Visit filmgeekradio.com for more great shows. This is Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. cast, your source for the best analysis of the ABC television series, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., with your host, Agent Andrew Johnson. If they can bring back Clark Gregg, maybe they can bring back Ed Norton. That'd be weird. Agent Bibbs Bibiani. I got all my ideas from Mr. Belvedere. Come on. Agent Gwen Reyes. Anybody that's not a huge Joss Whedon fan just really needs to pack up their whole life and move to another continent. And Agent Rod Morrow. I feel like someone just ran into your room and gave you a wedgie and then ran back out. They are the Strategic Homeland Intervention, Enforcement, and Logistics Division Critical Analysis Strike Team, a.k.a. The S.H.I.E.L.D. Cast. Agents Assemble. This is episode number 10 of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Cast. This is Film Geek Radio's weekly podcast devoted exclusively to discussion of the ABC television series Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I'm Agent Andrew Johnson, and I'm joined by my fellow members of the Strategic Homeland Intervention Enforcement and Logistics Division Critical Analysis Strike Team. First up, he's an all-around comics enthusiast and the founder of the Black Guy Who Tips podcast network, Agent Rod Morrow. Hello. How are you doing, Rod? I'm doing great, man. Um, feeling like it's uh, time to time to eat some turkey tomorrow and uh, talk about some shield today. Yeah, yeah, it's Thanksgiving, guys, and Hanukkah on the same day. So lots of celebrating going on. Thankful uh, for Agents of Shield and meeting you guys. Oh, Aww. that's so sweet. I feel nothing. We just had a digital <laughs> hug. Get get Bibbs in this. Bibbs, give us a hug. I'm just gonna stroke you on the screen. Ah, oh, Rod. Ah, uh, yeah. Next up, he is the film channel editor at CraveOnline.com and a co-host of the B-Movies podcast, Agent William Bibbs Bibiani. You are everybody. You are everybody. I never knew the rest of the lyrics of that. Hi, everybody. If we do a, a Lost podcast, Bibbs, we'll be sure to have you on for that. I have a Lost drinking game that consists of literally hundreds of rules, and they're very easy to remember because Lost does the same shit over and over and over again. <laughs> It'll be a lot of fun, actually. So you're basically admitting you're an alcoholic. When we, do, when we, we applied the drinking game to the series finale of Lost, we literally had to take 97 drinks. <laughs> That hurts my liver. Finally, she is a writer for RealVixen.com and a member of the Television Critics Association, Agent Gwen Reyes. Hi, guys. I have nothing clever or exciting to say after Bibbs' announcement that he's an alcoholic. (laughs) You always have exciting things to say, Gwen. (laughs) And you have an adorable kitty sweater. No, it's a fox. Oh, it's a fox. Yep. Real Vixen. Vixen. Yep. That's foxy. I like it. 
As always, you can email the agents of Shieldcast at shieldcast at filmgeekradio.com, and you can access all of our episodes by subscribing to us on iTunes or Stitcher. If you like the show, please leave us a review. That would really help us out a lot. And if you leave us a good review, we will make you an honorary member of the Shieldcast. Uh, we also have a new voicemail line at 336-793-2509, so you can call and leave us some feedback there. Uh, this show is being recorded live at spreecast.com. To receive updates on when we'll be recording live, you can search for Agents of Shieldcast with all of the periods in there and sign up to be alerted for whenever we do a live recording. You can also follow any of us on Twitter for information on when we'll be going live. Uh, we'll give out those handles at the end of the show. Uh, we are privileged to be joined by a very special guest today. He is the entertainment editor for The Week magazine, and he is currently reviewing Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. every week over at Vulture.com. Scott Meslow, welcome to the show. My pleasure to be here. I'm really excited to talk to you uh, about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Scott, because I, I read your most recent review of the episode we're going to be talking about, and it seems like you're a little bit different uh, in your take on things than a lot of other critics. So it'll be interesting to see how we all line up on this week's episode. But uh, before we dive into things, um, I just want to go ahead and thank everybody who has left us reviews on iTunes. Uh, that's what I'm thankful for this Thanksgiving, that we have so much support from all you great listeners out there. Uh, we really appreciate it. Uh, we've gotten so many new reviews that, unfortunately, I don't have time to induct all of the new honorary members of the Shieldcast today, but I'm going to do my best to get through a lot of them, and we, we, we promise we will get to you if you've left us a review before the winter break. Um, first up, we got an email from someone named Birkenstock Banshee, who is a Canadian listener. Uh, Rod, did Birkenstock Banshee leave us a five-star review on iTunes? Uh, you bet your life they did, you hoser. All right. Well, what did that review say? I've listened to three different AOS podcasts. I assume that means Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, so far, and of them, I like this one by far the best. Woo! That's right. Sorry, I got excited. There are more podcasters for four as opposed to two. It is funnier. I walk around my school with my earbuds in, smiling and laughing like an idiot and getting strange looks. And you have a woman on your team. As a woman myself, it is always good to hear a female viewpoint being represented. Not only guys like yeah. superheroes, after all. Mm -hmm. And I'm in touch with my feminine side, so I think that counts as half. Mm -hmm. yep. Yep. I'm, I'm half a chick. We're all ladies at this, at this podcast. Ladies and men's. <laughs> I just finished listening to your second episode, even though I have finished watching episode four. I just came across your podcast and I'm catching up. I'm just about to start the third one, but you asked for reviews. So here one is you mentioned reviewers get to be honorary members of the shield cast at the end of the second episode. I volunteer for monkey wrangling, but I am not interested in being sucked out of any planes. <laughs> Listeners, this is a good one. Try it out. Yeah. Thank you for, for uh, that review, Birkenstock Banshee. Uh, unfortunately, we already inducted an honorary monkey wrangler onto the team, but we will be proud to bring you on as an honorary member of the Shield cast in the position of particle accelerator repair person, if you're up for it. So thank you for listening, and welcome to the team, Birkenstock Banshee. Monkey wrangling and particle accelerating are basically the same job. <laughs> uh, you know, so, you know, if you have a degree in one, you can do the other, so... Andrew didn't give her the fallout of planer because she didn't want to do that. 
<laughs> right. <laughs> All right, I've got three new reviews I'm going to get through really quickly, and then we will uh, move on to the episode. Uh, we got a five-star review from Torelli. The headline of the review is Just the Right Amount of Nerd, and the review says, uh, This is a funny, witty podcast about the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. TV show, which manages to cover the show and comic elements without coming off as annoying and pretentious. Solid critiques and good banner from the crew will keep me coming back after every episode for a review that's not made from someone living in their mom's basement. Keep up the good work, guys. <laughs> wow. Thanks, Torelli. You, you really just slammed people living in their mom's basement. Yeah, I haven't even heard the other Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. cast, but I feel bad. Yeah. In the interest of fairness, my mom does live in my basement, so I think that... All right, Norman. I've heard a lot of other Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcasts, and unfortunately, he's right. A lot of them are, sound like they're made from people in their basement. You know, economic times are hard. Why are we being so so mean to people who are forced to live with their parents? Yeah, or whose parents are forced to live with them. European, y'all. We're European. I'm very European. <laughs> All right. Our next review is from Nick Ju. He gives us a five-star review. The headline is, love it. Review, best shield cast, out. Mm-hmm. Short and simple. Nick Ju is also a lady. So thank you, Nick Ju. Oh, thanks, Nick. We love you. Thank you, Nick. And our last review is from Purple Hulk 81 It's a five-star review. The headline is Best Shield Show. And the review says, I always look forward to listening to the podcast after I watch every episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. The hosts have a great mix of differing opinions and have developed good chemistry, smart, funny, and informative. Thanks, Purple Hulk. Oh, thanks. I didn't even know there was a Purple Hulk, so I learned a lot of things. Purple Hulk clash with his own pants? <laughs> it's camo. Yeah. His pants are painted on. He's a little matchy. He likes the color block, okay, guys? Just leave it at me. All right. Well, thank you all for listening. Uh, we've looked over your applications, and we have decided to accept you as honorary members of the Shield cast. Uh, Torelli, we're, pl- we're pleased to bring you on as our new paranormal investigator. That would have been really handy to have this episode. Uh, Nick Jew, we'd love to hire you as our resident Asgardian historian, now that Peter McNichol has moved to Portland. And uh, Purple Hulk 81, we're very happy to have you join us as our personal beauty scientist slash physiognomist. Uh, we're hoping that you can let us know which members of the S.H.I.E.L.D. cast are handsome and which are dreamy. So we'd really appreciate that. Oh, please say Gwen's dreamy. Oh, <laughs> uh, please say I'm... I'll take dreamy. I'll take dreamy. All right. Well, thank you all for listening and uh, welcome to the team. Yay! Woo! New people. All right, well, let's talk Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Today we're going to be discussing Episode 9 of Season 1 of the show. The episode is titled Repairs. It was written by Marissa Tancheron and Chad Whedon, and it was directed by Billy Gearhart. Uh, Agent Rod Morrow, why don't you go ahead and give our listeners the quick synopsis of what happened on this episode? In this episode, Repair, Coulson and his team are haunted by a mysterious force that threatens to destroy them all, and only a secret from May's past can save them. I would say that's a fairly accurate synopsis. Except for the whole secret from May's past that can save them. That implies a revelation that actually directly ties into the plot, and it does not. If the secret from May's past is, Colson said these sentences to me once, and they really <laughs> made me feel better, then yes, that counts. <laughs> Sometimes that's all you need to save the day, Bibbs. I'm not denying that's all you need to save the day. All I'm saying is stop with the false advertising. <laughs> Jesus, two episodes in a row for that. All right, well, let's uh, dive into this episode. Scott, I'm, I'm really excited to talk to you. Uh, it's, your review of the episode was pretty positive, and I got the impression that your opinions on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. have, have changed a little bit since it first aired. What did you think of Repairs overall, and, and what are your feelings on the show as a whole? 
Yeah, I mean, I I seem to be the only person on the internet who actually liked this episode. To me, I'm, I'm looking at Agent's Shield sort of in a series of movements, not to get all pretentious intellectual about it, but the first few episodes felt like it was trying on all kinds of paths that weren't really working, and in the past four episodes, it's like they've done character rehab on four of the most boring characters and made all of them more interesting to me. Got our Fitz episode, we got our Simmons episode, and then we moved on to Ward, and now we're on May, and I thought... It wasn't the most revelatory, but it's just nice to have them spending time on something that feels like they sort of know what direction they're trying to take the show in. Okay, well, so so you'd say that after they came back from their quick little break there, after five episodes, that you, you could see a dramatic improvement? Dramatic is overstating it. And maybe okay. I'm just acclimating <laughs> to what this show is actually trying to do instead of uh, what the weirder show I want it to be. Yeah, but as far as I'm concerned, this felt to me like if you were talking about the platonic ideal of ABC's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., you know, the show that they are clearly trying to build this into, this feels like, you know, Monster of the Week type stuff. The characters were consistent, at least. The jokes were kind of funny. Like, yeah, I, I walked away entertained. And that's, at this point, that's kind of my bar for a successful Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. episode. All right. Well, well, Bibbs, I get the impression that you did not like this episode. Well, I like it platonically. How's that? Um... <laughs> You know, this was this episode was hit or miss with me. I like the structure of it. I like the playing with uh, the sort of urban legend that is Melinda May's uh, background. Uh, that all that stuff was fine. I liked the I liked the visual effects uh, for the guy who isn't the Vanisher, but I'm just going to call him the Vanisher because he's totally the Vanisher, except he isn't the Vanisher. Rodimus, back me up on this. Uh, he had the same power set. Yeah. Why can't we just make that a guy? There are so many guys who can do that. Like. I realize the manager is a mutant, but I don't think Fox cares. But yeah, no, like the plot was fine. Um, you know, the character work was okay. Uh, the thing that I found, I mean, I liked it because I like the actors, but ultimately I found the whole prank scenario to be really cloying and contrived. It was really just, wow, we have nothing for Fitz and Simmons to talk about this week. <laughs> Let's give them a really stupid subplot that doesn't really go anywhere, that doesn't add up to anything. Uh, that feels really just in completely inappropriate given the context of what they're doing. So I found that really, really distracting. But otherwise, yeah, I had fun. It's not a terrible episode. It's definitely not my favorite, though. Uh, Rod, what did you think of this episode? I think Bibbs needs to get laid. <laughs> <laughs> Ouch. If you're offering. <laughs> uh, I actually enjoyed this episode a lot, man. Um, that Actually, that line from Sky to Ward, was probably my favorite line when she said that Melinda May needed to get laid and he had to reflect on the quality of his sex. Wah, wah. But, uh, <laughs> I, you know, the jokes were landing for me. Um, and uh, I think Scott's my favorite guest that we've had on the show so far because he seems to like the show as much as I do. And uh, I agree that it's, you know, it has kind of taken on a different type of attitude. Far Once it started delving into characters' backgrounds, I think the show got better. And it was kind of what we all asked for. Um, and they're slowly revealing stuff. I didn't think it would just happen really, really fast. I, I'm assuming that it's going to be uh, take a while, but these will be the episodes we look back on and go, yeah, they were hinting at this, and then it turned out to be whatever. Um, so I kind of liked it. And uh, I enjoyed Melinda May. She's my favorite character on the show because she's such a badass. And it was cool hearing like some something about her background and uh, what like that she didn't used to be so cold and and uh, they even did the uh, her wearing the other uh, wearing Ward's shirt in the morning thing, which uh, we've joked about on the show before. And uh, it was cool to see it happen. So I enjoyed that. And uh, I thought this episode was great. 
All right, Gwen, do you agree with all of that, or what were your overall thoughts on the uh, on the episode? Yeah, I actually, I really enjoyed this episode, too, and I, I have to agree, like, I think we all agree that after the break, it was um, a much better show. It's kind of showing its direction, and we are getting those individualized episodes that we need to kind of get to know the characters a little bit more, and I was really curious after the opening of this one where we see Melinda and Ward together, I was wondering maybe if they've had something in the past that it's not necessarily just this. And so, because they just seemed, I mean, and I don't know how much time was taken between last week's episode and this week's episode, but it also just seemed a little bit comfortable. And so that was kind of intriguing to me. He, he said, like, when he said, like, oh, we'll have to stagger where we get, he said, it like, it's the usual thing. So, and they seem to be in the same hotel room, which he said is not, they don't usually get hotel rooms. So I guess they've, they've been fucking this whole time and good for them. Yeah. Exactly, and that's what I kept. Yeah, they seem happy. They were because they. It was very like. It was very much like they had already had their whole thing about it, and and I liked that. I liked that there's this whole underlying mystery of their of, that helps kind of show their character too, and I also loved the parallel and the mirroring of of Sky and and Melinda and Coulson kind of being like you know this person this she's a lot like this, but then something happened to her, and do you see the parallels? And I liked that too that it could go just as dark for Sky if she doesn't kind of watch out for herself. And I also liked that Coulson was starting to show a little bit darkness again. Because I, I think that his little bit more bitter attitude is a little bit more um, enticing to me as a viewer than that whole like caricature of a character. I, th- I think I'm somewhere in the middle on this episode. I, I didn't really love it, but I didn't dislike it either. And it, it, I certainly like it much more than last week's episode. I think I like what it's trying to do more than the execution. You know, everything with Fitz and Simmons and the pranks, I thought that was a fun idea, but the pranks kind of suck, and maybe that's supposed to be the joke, but I I just thought it was kind of boring. This episode seemed like it was trying to go in some weirder places. Uh, In a strange way, it almost ties in more with Thor the Dark World than last week's uh, supposed tie-in episode. I so agreed on that. I was like, this would have been a much better tie-in episode. At one point, they even brought up the whole trying to create portals like Thor, and it was kind of weird that they chose this not to be the tie-in to Thor. And the special effects of his dissolving looks just like what Loki's dissolving looked like. So I was like, I was like, that was a much better fit. It does feel like an afterthought to me, though. It does feel like this is the kind of episode where you come up with something like, I have this cool idea for an episode with this chick who thinks he has telekinetic powers, and it's actually this guy who's, like, phasing in and out of dimensions. And, oh, Thor did that! We can use that as a one-sentence justification. But that's why you build a show on the Marvel Universe, because it's got stuff you can use like that already. You can kind of back-engineer all your storylines. Exactly, and that's fine. I, I'm glad they're doing it. It makes it feel more cohesive. I just, I don't, I don't really, I'm not really inclined to give them bonus points for it. Fair. So, no, I did, li- I did like that, though. I did think that was cool. I got nothing against that, I suppose. Well, and I think that, and I think it's something that, like, at least for Andrew and myself, not only really knowing the, the Marvel Cinematic Universe and actually the comic book universe, that to me as a viewer, as of a less educated viewer, made more sense. That is something I've seen in previous things, so it connected those things a lot easier than just kind of a throw-off in a way that the last few episodes haven't. And I liked that. I liked seeing things that I've seen in previous films kind of now coming into the show. Yeah, I, I just liked overall a lot of stuff they were trying to do. They were trying to go for this weird haunted house thing with Tobias stalking everybody on the, on, uh, on the plane. Um, they brought up some stuff related to religion, which I didn't expect, and they also tried to get into Melinda May's backstory, which we've been waiting for. 
And I, I liked, in theory, everything they were trying to do. I just don't think they really pulled it off very well. It didn't feel very cohesive. And and Bibbs, you, you joked earlier that Coulson really just says a few lines about May's backstory, and that supposedly explains everything. I, I, I did think that it was a little simplistic. When we say, like, oh, this is a Melinda May episode, what did we learn about Melinda May. We learned that there was this one mission that we didn't get to see in which she killed some guys. And that's why she's called the Cavalry. And we learned that that bothers her to this day. Uh, we kind of already knew that. Like, we didn't, we learned nothing about Melinda May in this episode. We clarify slightly one thing. But, like, other than that, I don't know her any better. I was just saying, you know, we also, the hookup thing is new. Like, we're, we're deepening the personal relationships, which to me is as good as getting more backstory. No, I'm glad we're doing that. But again, it's we we got that last episode though. They're they're having sex. And I think yeah. one of the things that Bibbs is also bringing up is that the show does a lot of like telling us and not showing us. Like it'd be kind of nice, except for in the episode where we went back and saw Ward drown, you know, his little brother drowning in the the well. I'd like to see maybe go back and see some more flashbacks. Maybe having having seen Melinda going in and having to be the Calvary rather than being told. Because if you're telling me a lot of stuff, like as a viewer, I'm kind of tuning out. And so some things may go over my head or some things aren't being seen, but it's a visual medium. So maybe the fact that they're not showing it is a detriment to the show. Sure. I definitely concur. Right. And I mean, I, I kind of liked the fact that they didn't show us what happened to Melinda in a flashback. I, I like how they tried to just convey the weight of it in a conversation but again the execution was off I'm, i don't know if it was the dialogue or the performances but while we learned what happened to melinda may i don't think the show quite conveyed that connection between what happened and how ha- and and how that affected her did anyone think that the vague description of like the bad guy who had followers it seems like a really just clumsy setup for a future villain right yeah all of these things that they're doing with these background stories are, I think, going to be recurring themes that come up and get fleshed out, and they just don't want to reveal too much up front, and maybe they're erring on the side of caution by not revealing enough for some people. But, you know, I'm ga- when, when they're talking about uh, Melinda May going in weaponless, uh, saving S.H.I.E.L.D. agents and a civilian girl, and then the last line that she tells Tobias before he, like, this corporates or whatever, she, she's like, you know, you have to let the girl go. And then Coulson is supposedly told her those exact same words a long time ago at the end of this, you know, catastrophic mission. I feel like that's going to come to a head and we're going to find out, you know, something more. And these are kind of like the teasers for these stories later on. Right. How many teasers can we get, though, uh, before we as a collective audience get blue balls? 28 (laughs) is the exact number. That's 28. Okay, so we're at 50 now. So (laughs) let's get some fucking things happening. Like, again, the individual episodes are generally okay. They have a good plot structure. I, I like the cast more and more and more now that we have these more focused episodes on individual characters. But they've gone into overdrive setting up stuff. And yet, where is it? Something. I'm not asking you to shoot your load all at once, but a load would be nice. <laughs> I don't know, man. I think I think it's way too early for that kind of stuff, man. Like, you know, there has to be character development, and then the, the things have to be earned at some point, too. Backstory doesn't necessarily have to be earned. That's why it's backstory. 
Yeah. I'm not asking for everything to follow up. I just want something concrete to go on. I think character development has to be earned. That's what I mean. And I think when you uh, reveal certain things about this backstory, kind of like Agent May and Ward sleeping together, where it kind of reframes a lot of stuff for me that's been happening up to this point. That reveal is backstory, technically. But it did. It, it goes back and you're like, wow, you know, this is a very professional and cold relationship, but they're really good at keeping secrets, uh, even from their own uh, co-workers, because no one knew that this was happening. And uh, especially as they did that entire episode and you still got the same feeling of, wow, no one would know these two people were sleeping together. I feel like those kind of um, that kind of backstory does uh, not only help, you know, the story going forward, but it reframes things that happened before. And I feel like that's where they're going with these stories where we're going to go back and go, oh, wow, she's been living with this burden the entire time. Well, this totally changes how I've been looking at this character. Yeah, but I mean, the key thing I keep coming to about this show is like, would I, first of all, would I keep watching this if I, was, if I wasn't reviewing it? But second of all, would there be anything interesting about these characters if this didn't happen in the Marvel Universe? If this was just another USA procedural? And I'm with Bibbs in that the backstory we're getting is not compelling enough to keep hooking people back in. We need some reason to care about this besides the fact that it happens to take place in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I don't think we're there yet. I, I, I would like to add a point on there because I've heard that argument uh, a fair amount. Like, would we watch this if it wasn't in the Marvel Cinematic Universe? And granted, it's I, I do think it's a little thin outside of that context, but I'm also not a huge fan of that critique. It's like saying Airplane wouldn't be funny without the jokes. Oh, do you really think they're bringing Marvel in? I don't think they're using Marvel. That's part of It's not in the fundamental DNA of the show. That's part of the problem. Yeah. They're not really using what we know about the Marvel Universe in the comics or the films. It's occasionally window dressing, but if there were more Marvel-infused stories... No, I agree. I would like it to be more integrated, yeah. I would love to see the version of the show that you're talking about, but I don't think we're there yet. Yeah, and that's and that's a struggle because I think that it needs to have more. I mean, and I agree with Rod on that it's really early still. Like, we're probably not going to have anything big until next week's finale for the for the winter, but... I also agree with Scott that I want to see more of the integration of the other show. I want to see all the worlds that you've already been developing. I want to see more of that. And I want to see more of, you know, and maybe we are because we're seeing S.H.I.E.L.D. kind of like go in and sweep things under the rug and fix problems. But, and maybe it just is requiring, it just seems to me like I need a little bit more. And I'm not quite sure what exactly that needs to be just yet. They have to be careful with that to some extent too, because you can't become totally reliant upon the the movie franchise as as an impetus. Like you have to build a world that is in, it also independent of these things that people care about the characters more than just well, how does this relate to this movie? Actually, I think last week that was the biggest misstep was them trying to say this is going to relate to Thor, and everyone tuning in and going, well, this didn't really relate to Thor. I actually enjoyed that episode. And I wish they had never even brought Thor up at all because I would have I would have enjoyed it just as much and felt like, wow, it's cool. They brought up some things from Asgard. Instead, it turned out it turned into where the fuck is Liam Hemsworth and where's, you know, where's Hiddleston? Like, you know, why this this doesn't show anything from the movie Thor. So why did they even bring it up? So I kind of want them to stay away from that. I I want them to do stuff like bring Mike Peterson back, uh, bring uh, bring back uh, some of the other, uh, you know, characters that they built already so that we can go, OK, I'm interested in tuning in for reasons that were started on this show, not reasons that were started yeah. in the movie. 
Well, and here's the thing, and here's the thing with that is I, th- I think it's a potential mistake on a creative level to assume that it has to either be the movies or it has to be completely isolated from the movies or it has to like, I feel like the Marvel Universe is such a broad canvas and it has so many different corners that often don't even intersect that there are literally hundreds of ideas of organizations and characters that I guarantee you they do not give a shit about for the movies like eight ball eight ball is never gonna be in in the movies i'd be shocked what's eight ball eight ball is a super villain with an eight ball for a head (laughs) he's a terrible villain anyway my point is is that there's tons of characters not all that stupid but there's a ton of characters who are really minor or only had like one storyline and everyone forgot about them and or they have like an alternate version that's much cooler than they can use in the movies. Like I, I've brought up Ultimatum on this podcast a lot because they're basically like Hydra light. And this is what I would do if I were in charge of the series. I'm not obviously, but I'm like, I don't understand why we can't have a little bit more focus on more comic booky elements by just saying here are like the 100 things we've cleared that they never plan to use in the movies. They're just like, we don't give a shit about squirrel girl. You can use squirrel girl and then build some stuff around that and then start incorporating that early. I realize you don't want to center everything around that. I realize you want to have the freedom to create your own universes, create your own characters, focus a story on something that has nothing to do with the comic that gives you artistic freedom. I get that. But we kind of want that. That is why we're here, is because it's a Marvel Universe show, not because you say the word Marvel in it once in a while, and then the rest of the show is so compelling. Because right now, it's not, and it could really use a little a little extra boost of something cool. My favorite episode is still kind of the Graviton episode, largely because, fuck it, it was Graviton that gave me hope. Yeah, I I liked that episode a lot as well, and other than that, my favorite episodes are Fitz, which just focused a lot on those two characters and gave them some nice moments together, and The Hub, which really seemed to expand the world a little bit and and bring in some new characters and show us what what S.H.I.E.L.D. is really uh, like behind the scenes, and I'm not seeing enough of that. And I think the main problem with the show, it's not that, you know, the actors don't have good chemistry or, or they're uninteresting. Uh, I, I mean, I, I do think that all the actors are improving week to week, and I'm, in, I'm interested in the characters. I just really don't find any of their stories that compelling most of the time. And, and Scott, you brought up how after they took a, a break, they came back and it seemed like they were taking a very character-centric approach where each episode they would focus on one or two characters. I like that idea a lot. Uh, Lost really, really changed the game on, on how you do that, how you develop characters and their you reveal their backstory in, in, in a single episode. The execution here, though, I think is usually lacking most of the time. I wasn't a fan of how they developed Ward last week, and I don't like the execution of everything with Melinda May this week. And as you mentioned, there's only a couple characters left to explore, so I'm sure next episode we're going to finally figure out what's going on with Coulson, and that'll be his story, and then we're going to have a big break. And then my question is, when we come back from the break, what is the show? I, I still don't know quite what the show wants to be. You say, like, we'll figure out or find out what's going on with some of these people. I don't think that that's what they're doing. I think they're mm-hmm. just kind of asking the question and teasing, like, this is going to be an ongoing thing. Like, we're not going to get to the bottom of it in an episode or two. It's going to be Melinda May will have another episode in probably four or five weeks about her and you know, war will have one in three weeks. I think it's going to end up being more like that. 
Okay, well, I mean, I, I would be fine with that. That's the, that's the same thing that Lost did, and I think it worked pretty well most of the time. I just hope they improve the execution, because at least with Ward and May, I, I'm not really emotionally connected with everything with them and, and, and their whole backstory. Though I do like the fact that they're sleeping together. Well, Melinda May is my spirit animal, so I'm already connected with her. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, the te- the tease they did for Ward's background story is just, I don't know, man. Like, I understand people's impatience with it because part of it is like, okay, you kind of said this and then you kind of showed us that his brother's a jerk. But now I need more of this story, which I think works and doesn't work for the show because in a way it's like, yeah, I want to know what what really is going on. I want to know what's happening which is uh, the reason I keep watching. And I would watch this whether I was doing this podcast or not. But at the same time, I know other people, you know, in an age where uh, we have so many shows and so many adult themed shows uh, and so many shows that aren't even on network TV, where development is done much faster to kind of hook you in and to get it going right away because there's so much competition. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. feels like they don't have to do that or they don't feel the need to do that. And Maybe they'll end up losing a lot of viewership back off of it, or maybe uh, people just won't like the show anymore, but it feels like they're going slow on purpose. And I was just going to say, this week's ratings were actually up for for the first time in a while, so that was nice. And then I also know a lot of people who have just discovered the show in the last few weeks and are really, really liking it. So I think it's going to really benefit from a lot of binge-watching over the holidays and stuff. So it's, you know, it's slow, but... It still, I really still really liked how they developed Ward's story last week, and I'm sticking to it. I think that I want to see, it made me want to see more of that, of how sad Ward is. All right, well, let's get into some more specifics about how this episode played out and, and what went on. I thought it was interesting that they went for kind of a haunted house slasher kind of approach, almost. I think it was a really interesting idea. It was a, some nice variety. Well, I was going to say, I love that even in the beginning, they set it up as like sort of a slasher film horror, like the way that it was shot, the way that it looked, looked very, not just in the dark moments, but even in the light moments, it seemed really, really ready for horror. Just kind of like the episode with Graviton, that that one felt very much like a site, like very science fiction-y. This one felt very horror element. So I thought that, that was a nice little nod to, to like genre watchers. Well, it started off reminding me a little bit of uh, a little bit of Carrie, but also had like a final destination element to it as well. But ultimately, I think that's actually a really good way to keep the show feeling fresh. The uh, you know, it's a super villain of the week, basically, is what we're getting with Agents of Shield, uh, and that could be really boring if you treat every single one the way that you treated uh, J. August Richards. And just like yeah, you know, if you think about it, what is Freddy Krueger if not a super villain? What is Jason Voorhees, at least post Friday the 13th Part 6, if not a supervillain? So the idea of like, yeah, this guy would actually be really scary. He can be anywhere. He has like a signature weapon, which is kind of stupid, but you know, whatever. It's Monkey Wrench. Okay, let's just go with that. You laugh at it until it's knocking your ass out. Yeah, but he also had like, he also had a good motivation where it's like love was his motivation, like how he was really resentful of the fact that he didn't act when he had the chance to. And I thought that was, I thought that was just a really smart, very mature move for the show to kind of focus on that. Yeah, I I thought that was an interesting twist. I'm not sure I quite buy it, though, because I think if I was caught in some horrible accident involving a particle collider, I would just be wondering, oh my god, what's happening to me? I would say, screw you, lady I have a crush on. I need to figure out what's going on here. That's why Andrew won't be a supervillain. 
<laughs> the the religious angle uh, uh, for this episode is what they use to justify that, which is why he's not like, oh, no, crazy shit's happening to me. It's like the only way he could really be spurred on to go on this weird mission of, I guess in his eyes, it's redemption. Uh, but the very least defending someone whom he failed is because he's religious and therefore he thinks that whatever alien dimension he's in is hell. Uh, which is kind of cool. It's a little condescending to religion, but it's kind of cool. I totally bought it because yeah. that, that dude looked like the kind of guy that girl wouldn't talk to. <laughs> <laughs> I totally believe that dude was a loser that would break shit to hopefully get her to come down so he could like try to talk to her. But yeah, I, I, I mean, the, the religious stuff didn't bother me that much um, because the show has kind of routinely been doing scientific explanations of different stuff. Like even in the beginning when they kind of were like, well, what if ghosts are just people that are stuck between these dimensions? And well, this, he thinks it's a hell, but it's really just another dimension. And with all the shit that we've seen from the movies and this whole like Marvel universe, quite often things that are, you know, religious or spiritual in nature get explained away through the quirky, marvel universe science of um you know of how they feel like playing with that story that day so i was not uh bothered by by that and i actually when we started when the show started my first thought was okay simmons explain this shit scientifically because that seems to be her role every week is like something fantastic happens and she comes and goes like no this is bullshit and this is why yeah and i like that consistency too well, I like I like that it's kind of a secular show, like it has that that sort of mythology. But once you bring in uh, Christian, uh, if you want to call it a belief, lore, reality, whatever you want to call it, once you bring in the Christian aspect of it, where a huge aspect of it is that you know this cannot be explained, therefore it is real. You, you run into some weird quirks with the way that they've structured the mythology of their universe, and so you run into the possibility that either there is only one true God, and it is the Christian God. Or alien Robo Jesus arrived like two thousand years ago. The same universe that has as guardians that were deemed as gods uh, by humanity yeah. so long ago. Like I don't think this is out of the scope just because it happens to be about Christianity this time. I don't think that uh, they should say, "Well, let's not explore that." I, I kind of like that they explored it in a very rudimentary level. Some people may see it and get offended or whatnot, but. I didn't think that they handled it in a let's go offend some Christians type of way. I didn't. No, 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 no. That That's not what I was saying. That's not what I was saying. I just think that once you bring up, because, you know, Norse mythology, the majority of people on the planet don't believe in it. Don't don't think those are real gods anymore. But, you know, once you deal with a, re with a religion that's very active and very prominent, uh, you're, you're playing with something very, very different and you can't explain it the way that you can something a bit more fantastical. Like if they brought in the Greek gods, they could do the same thing they did with the Norse gods. I'm just saying I can't imagine them bringing in alien robo-Jesus and, right. and getting away with it. And so they really have to treat Christianity like it's this sacred thing. And even though, you know, he wasn't in hell, probably, although there is a hell in the Marvel Universe, it's just an alien plane, they did have to treat it with reverence, whereas anything else that is religious, they can sort of play with. So I just thought it was an interesting thing to talk about and bring up. Well, I, I agree with you. I think it was interesting that they brought it up. And I like how, again, one of the main themes of the show just seems to be how do normal people react 
when confronted with superheroes and all of this strange stuff. Some people get powers and they think that they're gods. Uh, if, if this woman who's really religious is confronted by strange happenings, is she going to think that God is behind it? I, I, I thought that, that those are some really interesting ideas. I got the feeling, though, in this episode that they were trying to link that with what happened with Melinda May because everything that happened with her was in, involved a religious cult and a guy with powers who thought he might be a god. That connection and that parallel didn't quite come through for me. I don't think Melinda May was supposed to be connecting with the woman she was connecting with, Tobias. I could kind of see that connection as the tortured person that is unable to let something go and that fundamentally changed them for the rest of their existence. Right. She's trying to relate to him because something has happened to him and he is killing people and trying to make up for it. The difference is, though, I feel like he's accidentally killing people when May very much went in and intentionally killed all those people. At least that's the impression I got. Um, and, and that was just part of her job. So they didn't quite connect how all of these themes relate to Melinda May, in my opinion. There were just a few gaps there that were missing. And I, I, again, I, I'm just not quite fully understanding, okay, why was it this mission that messed you up so badly, Melinda May? What happened? I mean, yeah, you killed a lot of people, but haven't you done that before? Well, I, I think she hadn't at that point, I think, is yeah, the Yeah, maybe issue. that was the first time she actually had to kill people. No, it's it just, you know, on that level, you know, going in with her bare hands and, I guess, snapping a bunch of necks, it's still, I mean, part of the problem is that it's still really unclear exactly what happened, but it must have been traumatic on a level unlike any other mission she went on before. Yeah, right, I think that's be, what that's they're trying to convey, Andrew, is the trauma of it, not necessarily this is a one-to-one -one comparison. It felt more like this person has been traumatized and they feel that they're doing all of this to protect someone. And Melinda May has been there, too, and she's been broken by this, too. But it's frustrating to me that this is ostensibly, uh, we can call this a Melinda May episode. And yet it's about this, you know, tenuous, but this relationship her experience has with the villain in this episode. And we find out so much about this guy who, if we ever see him again, he'll probably be another monster of the week. And next to nothing about Melinda May other than the, the vague gist of it. Well, she also likes to do pranks. No, yeah, here's the structure of the episode, okay? Fitz and Simmons tell a bullshit story about, about May, about Melinda May. Cool. All right, fine. Ward tells a slightly less dumb story about Melinda May that maybe that one's plausible. Coulson tells an actually plausible version of what happened to Melinda May, but even he admits he doesn't, he hadn't seen it all. Then Melinda May con uh, actually connects to this guy. Why the hell doesn't she tell him more of the real story? Because that's the way this works. That actually gives us a proper dramatic conclusion and actually pays off everything they set up throughout the episode so it has a proper narrative flow. What did we get from not having that? What, what do we gain? She can still keep stuff away. We can still not find out who that bad guy is. It can be revealed later. What's the benefit? I, I, I don't I see mean, it. in theory, it's embedded in her speech. In theory, the speech is supposed to give us enough thematic or literal context for what actually happened to give us the closure you're talking about. I agree it didn't play, but yeah. to me, I mean, this all comes down to the fact that Skye is clearly May's daughter, and the whole you're letting her down part of the speech was supposed to tie into that. Okay, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up, Scott. I was, I was just about to mention that after that last big reveal we had with Skye a few episodes ago regarding her mother, and now in this episode when Coulson tells May, you know, something about how she has to leave the girl, I do feel like they are setting up 
Melinda May as Sky's mother. Right. Which is an interesting idea, but again, it's like you were talking about Bibbs. It's just another tease. It's another tease until they do something with it. Right. right. I was going to say, but if, say, episode 12 or some shit, I don't know when, 17, if that is revealed, I feel like that reframes this conversation we're having right now. Oh, sure. That's the only point I was trying to make earlier about how a really good reveal kind of goes back and fixes this because a lot of the problems that people have are just like, I want to know right now. Yeah. No, no, I, I agree that a good reveal recontextualizes that which came before it. You know, you look at Sixth Sense, that movie plays well before you know the twist and after you know the twist. It, it, that That's fine. I f- totally agree with that. The problem is that it needs to work well the first time before you know the twist. And that I don't think that the way that they are parceling out the information or bluntly teasing is engaging me the way that I would very, very much like them to. The other thing that I would like to point out, and I just learned this last night, Ming-Na Wen is 50 years old. She looks amazing. I know. What? She's 50. She was born in 1963. How the hell? I just imagined you said that as Molly Shannon. She's 50. (laughs) She must bathe in blood every night. You know they say uh, black don't crack and yellow don't mellow, dog. See, you're allowed to say that. I, I, I'm not. But I was, I was thinking it. Uh, but no, I agree. Like, that seems to be, like, the most obvious. Here's the thing, though. It's, it's again, we, again, we haven't had the opportunity to see precedent on this show yet and how it pays off its teases. But when you look at other shows that Joss Whedon has at least been involved with, and again, I know he's not the real executive, but he's involved, uh, he has a tendency to build up something and then pay it off in a slightly unexpected way. So it might just be way too obvious that that she's... Yeah, I was going to say, I don't really like, and I also don't like the idea that she would be Sky's mom. Like, there's just something wrong. Not it just It just doesn't work in my head as part of the story. Also, they could... If that was the reveal, they mm-hmm. could play with it more in the future to get to a point where it's a huge betrayal or whatever, and, you know, where they become kind of close as co-workers and they have a motherly relationship. And then it's like, oh, you knew this shit the whole time? So I can see that happening, but I really don't think it will be uh, that she's her mom just uh, because they just said she was rescued by a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent. So she could have just really literally been the person who rescued her. She could be Skye's Hagrid. Oh, God. (laughs) What they'd have to do is something with the father. If they're really going to make that twist work, then the father would have to be, I would say, some kind of Marvel supervillain. Some some way that that is a more interesting revelation than just they're on the same team and hang out together. And they're sleeping with the same, they're maybe sleeping with the same. Well, I think Skyward is officially over. Here's my here's my theory. Skye's father was the guy that got powers and became the cult leader. And yeah. Melinda May killed all those yeah. people, but then rescued Skye and dropped her off at the orphanage. That's that's how they would connect it. Hi, Grid. Harry Potter. Yes. No, no, we, we get it. It's, it's Harry Potter. Yes. Oh, I know. I just get excited whenever I can bring Harry Potter <laughs> into a conversation. Yeah, they and, actually and, were <laughs> able to make a Hogwarts joke last night on the show. Yeah, there was another Harry Potter reference on the show. Talk about foreshadowing. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I actually uh, also enjoyed, I know you guys said you didn't, I enjoyed the prank shit. Like, it was uh, corny and funny, and I love that it culminated in Fitz scaring himself during the most pivotal moment of the show and screaming like a little bitch. That was great. That was great, yeah. <laughs> and I thought that the, you know, the closing payoff of that too was really, really good. I thought that was really fun. You mean you mean the the little scene at the, the end? The whipped with, cream that May got yeah. to do, yeah. Okay, yeah, that was, I liked that, again, I, I thought that was a cute little moment, 
But the impression I got was we're now supposed to believe, oh, Melinda May, some of her old warm self is still in there somewhere, you know, right. and, and somehow this yeah. experience with Tobias has allowed that to, has allowed her to heal a little bit. And it, it was that connection between everything that was going on with Tobias and her healing that connection didn't quite come through to me. Well, it worked for me. It worked. Yeah, I was going to say I liked it. It didn't work for me, but I was paying attention. And also, it didn't take that much screen time to do any of that. Like, total pranks and uh, that last little bit, probably less than five minutes of the entire show. So I was cool with that. Again, my thing with the pranks, it's not that the pranks weren't funny. It's not that I didn't like the whole thing with the characters pulling pranks. It's the sort of thing thing that Fitz and Simmons would do. They're children. Let's just be honest here. They are children. (laughs) Here's the thing, though. As I said, they gave the episode, uh, they infused it with a structure. And yet, it really just kind of vanished. And if all we're really going to do... With this whole a subplot we dedicate quite a bit of time to. All we're really, really going to do is show that May has a human side. There's all kinds of ways you could have done that. You didn't have to... You didn't have to futz with the tone of this episode so much. I don't know. I just thought it was really dorky. And I thought it wasn't integrated into the actual story very well. I enjoyed it tremendously. And uh, a lot of people on my timeline and stuff, we were kind of partying and having a good time listening to it or watching it, um, live tweeting and stuff. And I like that they kept the humor because one thing that was missing from Ward's uh, backstory in the last episode for me was the humor wasn't as good. And I'm glad they got back to some more, uh, a couple more funny beats, even in the Halloween spooky edition of uh, the the, the Agents of Shield. Oh, I can't wait for the Christmas episode. Oh, so good. Oh, my God. The plane runs into Santa's sleigh. Like, they hit him head on. Oh, my God. And we find out that Santa has actually been a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent this whole time. Oh, this is going to be great. Makes sense. Makes sense. How else can you get all those presents delivered throughout the entire night? That doesn't even make sense unless you do. Right? S.H.I.E.L.D. is on that, and that's why NORAD uh, is tracking them, because they're a military organization. Yeah, oh, this is genius. Okay, we're good. Good game, everybody. NORAD, also an acronym. That's right. (laughs) Which, of course, stands for not only rigorous... Androgyny dudes. Speaking of acronyms, what was the I, the index that Colson brought up? Like, hey, Sky, you should be in charge of this of this superhero index at some point. And he said the full name, and I was trying to work it out in my head, like if it was an acronym, but I don't yeah. think it was. It's not. It's like ISEC or something weird. I tried it out to see if they were burying a pun in there, and it didn't happen. Yeah. Also, I like that uh, the impetus for this show, like many of the other ones, and they're keeping this theme going. It's kind of a understated theme, which isn't really, uh, you know, not something that shield that, that the shield uh, show does very often. <laughs> but uh, the understated, like, uh, people keep trying to keep up with these superheroes, and that's why this fucking particle accelerator experiment portal mm-hmm. thing was even like started, and. Like, so much of their job is just dealing with people who are like, but there's fucking people from Asgard's and a dude in a a suit. I need a purpose now, and I need to figure out how to harness this. And I I like that it was kind of understated this week as opposed to, like, the blatant, like, we're going to get the rod of power. It was more just kind of like, yeah, we were fucking around with some portals, and we messed up. The message of the show is some people are better than you, and you should be content with that. That's the message of life in general. Yeah. Basically, like some people are born better, 
are more special and have greater influence in the world, you never will. And any attempt on your part to increase your station or or be better than people think you are will be met with death. <laughs> basically. I think the moral of the story show is that crazy people be getting powers. I think that's really more of the right. what was happening. Because it seems like the crazy people are the ones that are really pursuing this power, uh, which would make sense to me. It's kind of like how uh, after 9-11, all of a sudden, conspiracy theorists all start a blog. You know, that that's kind of what's going on with this. It's like, yo, I saw something crazy in Manhattan. I just realized I need to get superpowers. Does that mean we're not all getting a trophy? I don't think so. All right. Well, well Scott, I'm going to let you have the last word on this episode, uh, you you said uh, in your review, quote, if you were looking for a template for a top-tier Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. episode, repairs would be a good place to start. You really liked this episode. I'll let you have the last word on, on what you think this episode did really well that, that you hope the show continues to do in the future. I would say the operative word in that sentence for me is a good place to start. Okay. It's, it's not... I think my perfect version of this show, but I think it's this to me is the launchpad for the show evolving into the even better version of the show that it could eventually be. Yeah, I, I care about the characters, which is great. Uh, it would be nice to care about the plane. I, this is the second time the plane has gone down in nine episodes, and I feel like we don't we don't really give a shit about the place they hang out. See, I I feel like they need to give the plane a personality, kind of like Jarvis, oh, yeah. right. Iron Man. Like yeah. Eddie, the shipboard computer from Hitchhiker's Guide. Like, that would be awesome. Right. Oh, my God. Sky dies and they download her brain into the plane. You know what's funny is even at this point, they still have like a 75% better plane in the air accomplishment record compared to the X-Men. Because their, their ship went down. The Blackbird pretty much hit the ground every time they were in it. And uh, <laughs> Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. have been able to get like seven out of nine successful flights done. So, bravo. Yeah, I like those odds. I just want to know how upset Nick Fury's going to be this time. <laughs> it seemed like May handled it. They're all right. As long as there's no fish tank in there, he'll be okay. <laughs> all right. Well, let's move on to some feedback and some listener questions. Uh, if you're in the chat room right now, go ahead and uh, you, you'll see the little question button on the screen. You can send us a question and we will get to that uh, later on. I believe we had an email from someone. Someone named Thomas wrote in. Uh, with his thoughts on this episode, Repairs. Uh, Bibbs, do, do you want to go ahead and read some of that email? Well, it's a long email. Well, wh- whichever parts you feel are the most interesting. Oh, okay. I hadn't really prepared any highlights. Uh, hey, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. cast. Hey! Listen to your views on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. episodes. I enjoy your critical entertaining views on the episodes. Keep up the good work. Thanks! Here's my thoughts on Repairs, and that's its own paragraph, so it sounds really ominous. Now I understand why May is so cold and why she didn't want to return to the field. The future reveal of what happens in that mission will be interesting. Going back to episode 3, the asset, they should have put more of an importance on her returning to the field instead of just May asking Coulson to be put back in the field like it was no big deal. Yeah, yeah, I can go with that. That makes sense. Well, I don't know, man. That kind of was a big moment in the show because um, it took uh, the, the science people getting all fucked up before. And then she also begrudgingly did it at the end of the episode, and I thought that that meant something because she let she's basically like things are getting cut way too close to the wire, and you obviously need help in the field. I'll do it. So 
I thought that was what the proper gravitas without making the whole episode about her. Uh, here's here's an interesting comment. Let me get this straight. On Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., we can't have telekinesis or magic, but we can have a character talk about religion for most of the episode. It came off too preachy, in my opinion. For a show that's trying to reach all markets, it wasn't smart to put a major focus on religion. The segment of the audience that are not religious will be turned off by this. And that is an interesting point. I will say this, but here's what I'm going to say. Unfortunately, fortunately, whatever you want to say, I believe a larger portion of the market actually is religious. Right. Is my understanding. They're actually being more inclusive about this than the Marvel Universe, as we said, is incredibly secular. And this is like the first time in any significant way, apart from one line of dialogue in Captain America and the Avengers from Captain America, in which they brought up God and it wasn't a joke or an alien. Right. So, again, I think it's fine. Like, there, this is a big universe in which some people believe in religion. Uh, but I find it interesting that this person equates telekinesis and magic to religion. I'm not saying they're wrong. Personally, I think they're right. But I think that's that's an interesting distinction or lack thereof to make. Scott, did you have any thoughts on the episode's treatment of religion? Yeah. You know, I think... For me, it's a non-issue because it's not like the show is endorsing it and saying, hey, by the way, this is a Christian universe. We have these two very specific Christian characters living in Utah. I I can buy that they're Christian, two people in the entire Marvel universe. If anything, I want the show to deal more with this stuff and to go deeper. Like, what did the Pope think about the aliens attacking New York? That, to me, is sort of like, this must have changed the way that religions are treating the world. So, I, yeah, if anything, I would double down, get weirder about this. i like them to have Della Reese back and do like a touch by, the, by an angel episode that would be cool <laughs> that'd be hot uh okay and uh, lastly we have a sky rant in this email so i'm just gonna burn through it guys perfectly fine as a character well i'm gonna let this person speak for themselves through my voice is Sky there to just give puppy eye looks and make snarky comments? I don't think I will ever like this character. She was so disrespectful to Coulson and May in this episode. When she was questioning Coulson's choice of having Ward and May deal with Hannah instead of herself, I got mad. Who does Sky think she is questioning Coulson like that? When Sky was talking trash to May, I wanted May to knock Sky out so badly. Also, just because Sky grew up in foster homes doesn't mean she can connect emotionally with every distressed person in the world. I wish they would stop with the puppy eyes Sky gives to every sad case they face. When she hugged Hannah, it felt so fake, like it did when Sky hugged Simmons in episode 6, Fizzed. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.'s writers, stop trying to make her the heart of the show because I am not buying it. I have no issue with Chloe Bennett. I loved her on Nashville. Just on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., her character is so annoying. Every time Sky opens her mouth, I want to mute my television. I believe the road to Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. getting better is removing Sky from the show. What are your thoughts? Oh my wow. God. My thoughts are that you're it's a hate. hater. You do have a problem with her, and you're mad that she's hot. <laughs> I actually don't think that she's hot, but uh, uh, here's my thing with Sky. I have no issue with Sky as an idea. Uh, right. In practice, they are Mary suing the crap out of her, where everything she does is right, or if it's wrong, it's merely because she didn't know how to go about it the right way. Everyone always learns a valuable lesson because, thank God, Sky was here, and uh, it pisses me off. We had one thing wrong with Sky, and that's that she was lying to everyone, and uh, not only... I mean, I was fine with it being revealed that she was lying to everyone. I was bummed that she was lying to them for a completely benign reason that was specifically designed to make audiences like her more and forgive her for betraying this wonderful, wonderful team. I don't want to like Skye this much. I want her to be a real character. Well, first of all, she is a real character. Second of all, she also looked up uh, her what happened to her parents while she was supposed to be looking for Ward and um, Fitz in the, in the field. 
which I right. think is a kind of a sneaky thing that they, they didn't have to show us as an audience that let us know that she still does put her own shit ahead of the team at times. No, no, but here's the thing. Here's the thing with that specific example, and here's why I disagree with you on that, and I, I see what you're saying. But the thing is, is that they showed that she was tempted to do this other thing, and then they made a point of showing, no, but she's a really good person, and even though she's she's tempted, you know, kind of like you and me, she will always do the right thing. Always, 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 always. She is sky, she's beautiful, she's perfect. It wasn't that she was tempted. She did it. She had a minute and 30 seconds. She spent a minute looking up her family history. She didn't know at the time right. that 30 seconds would be enough. Then she then she barely found them in time with the 30 second clock ticking. So that is a very selfish move. If it would not have worked out, which, uh, you know, quite possibly could have happened, it would have ended up in fits and wars, lives being at risk or getting killed out there because they wouldn't have known where they were at. And that was the exact way it was shown on the on, on the during the show. And the exact way it was filmed. And they did not have to show us that if they wanted to keep her this angelic figure, they could have just said, Oh, and then she found the guys and let's go. They, and they purposely took time to show, no, she looked for her shit first. And then with 30 seconds left, decided to look at the find if she could find these guys. I think that the issue that we're really facing here is that this is an example of we revealed too much about her. We, we, we wrapped up her issue way too quickly, which is what everybody's like, I want to hear more. I want to have these problems resolved. I want to have blah, blah, blah. And this is a perfect example of like resolving that issue way too fast doesn't allow for Sky to be as sneaky as she should have been. Like the whole red tide thing still needs, a rising tide still needs to still be an underlying issue and it's not anymore. Her trustworthiness is not an issue anymore and that's really frustrating because then she tries to be, like Rod said, you know, go back and look at her other stories and see all these other things and it just is kind of like, well, it's just not as interesting. And that's a struggle of maybe they should have drawn out her untrustworthiness a lot longer than it really was. Yes. My problem with Sky, you know, I, I think she's an okay character. I just feel like they haven't quite figured out what they're doing with her yet, aside from the whole, oh, who are my parents subplot. Certain episodes, she'll be a super hacker. Other times, it kind of just seems like she stands around and is the heart. You know, she's the person with all the empathy. And then in some episodes, like episode two, she just exists to read a manual. I feel like they're still figuring out what exactly to do with her character. Well, she also asked the questions that the audience is supposed to be asking, too, which, you know, it's kind of difficult to pull off. It's kind of like the backstory in this episode where they're using it as a prank, but the the uh, Melinda May Calvary background is something that the audience does want to know, and it's just, as a writer or whatever, how do we convey this information in an interesting fashion? And, you know, obviously some people didn't find it that interesting and whatnot, but that, you know, these are the things that they're trying to relate to us. And I think uh, she's become the, like people say, the heart of the show. But I think she's become like the person who questions the morality of their deeds. And that's supposed to be what, uh, you know, her primary function is as an outsider. But see, that's that's the thing that frustrates me. She's there to have things explained to her. She's this very frustrating audience surrogate, and I don't think she's quite interesting enough apart from that. Everything she, the, every episode, she has like, oh, what's going on now? Could you give me a couple of paragraphs? Uh, pretend I'm the audience and just let me know what's going on. Also, this thing that you've been doing like your whole life that you're really, really good at, that you've been trained for, and is part of an international organization that's been doing a very, very good job of taking care of all these things forever. Everything you do is wrong. I've been at this for three months. I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Well, Scott, are you Team Sky? 
No, I am very anti-Sky. Um, and it frustrates me because I think there are a few other versions of this character that could have been more interesting. I really don't like her stock backstory. And when they introduced it, I thought she was lying because it was so stock that I thought that would be an interesting way that she was trying to slip her way more into S.H.I.E.L.D. to do more Rising Tide stuff. Yeah, and like Gwen, it bothers me that they didn't do anything about, you know, oh, she lied to us. She was a traitor to the, you know, the biggest government organization on the planet. But that's okay. Like, she didn't really mean to do it. It's just even if they had locked her up for a couple episodes and then needed her again for something where she had to prove herself like putting her out of play would have raised the stakes for me in a way that would have been much more interesting hey uh scott when you say stock backstory like what do you mean by that exactly just the idea that oh she's just a person she's like this because she doesn't know her parents and she's an orphan who just wants to find her parents like that is one of the most cliched backstories you can possibly use for a character like there must have been something more interesting how many other characters do you think we've seen with this backstory in the history of, like, literature and film? I mean, dozens, hundreds? In contemporary television, like, how many more can you name? Someone who's trying to figure out the truth behind their parents? No, somebody who's orphan, doesn't know their parents, and wants to know, you know, what happened to them. Like, how many... I mean, I feel like if something's a cliche or something is stock, you no, should be able to go to the well on that and go, oh, well, this happened on Breaking Bad. This happened on Boardwalk. This happened on... Well, you're talking about shows that are, I think, a lot more, you know, a lot more ambitious than what S.H.I.E.L.D. is doing right now. or are trying to push the envelope in other ways. I will take any show. Well, I, I can give you Amazing Spider-Man as a movie. Yeah, I would, I would say Clark Kent, too. Definitely Clark Kent. Clark Kent. We know his parents, though. And he doesn't, like, have a, you know what I mean? Like, we know Clark's parents, Cal L and Mrs. L. But, like, I feel like people <laughs> say this about Sky, but we don't really have a lot of this portrayal, these portrayals on TV it, we just we just run because because technically if we run down the archetypes every single character on this show has some sort of like oh the guy with that doesn't know what happened to him one time there's shows about that they're the the person that had something happen to him in the field and now they're jaded there's shows about that and i think like every story has to start somewhere and i feel like people pick out sky's archetype as like the worst i don't even think it's done that much i think the other character archetypes are actually done more on other shows that are around than hers well, and if there was more that made her more interesting, that I could live with that. I don't mind archetypes. I mean, stories are always built on archetypes. But if that's all we have about her, her backstory alone isn't interesting enough, and what we see of her now isn't interesting enough. There's got to be another hook in there. Are you jealous of her because she's hot? Be honest. Yeah, that's it. You caught me. Yep. <laughs> she's too hot. I, just, I can't hang with it. Yeah, it's terrible. It's too much pretty. Every week. Well, here's an example. Dexter. Oh, sure. Yes, Dexter. That's good. That is one. Dexter, there you go. What about Claire on Lost? We, who were her? Did she know her adopted parents? Uh, actually, a lot of the characters on Lost are kind of hazy on who, on where they come from. Kate, Kate was definitely like that. Yeah, Kate's dad was a was a thief. He taught her to steal. Oh yeah, you're right. Okay. Uh, Hayden Panettiere on Heroes. Yeah, but her dad was dude from the glasses. I mean, she had a Luke, Luke Skywalker. How have we not said Luke Skywalker yet? <laughs> Fucking Luke come Skywalker. On. That's true. That was written in 1972, and uh, that is very recent. Yeah, because it's definitely not still in the conversation. <laughs> and I'm going to bring up Harry Potter again. Go ahead. Always. Yeah. There you go. Because that's another one. I'm going to bring up Jesus, because God was one of his parents, <laughs> and uh, don't get to see that guy often. Yeah, okay. Well, are, do we have any questions from listeners in the chat room? Leonard Brothers writes in, where would you all like to see the show go in terms of character development, the overall structure of the show, e.g. Monster of the Week, etc.? Um, I will say I think it's already where, like, Monster of the Week is the thing that's going to happen. I don't mind Monster of the Week uh, as a format 
as long as it develops over time. And I don't mean by develop by changing format. I just think I watched uh, the first two seasons of Buffy and it was pretty much Monster of the Week. And people were telling me like, like after I watched the first season, I was like, is this really going anywhere? And people like keep watching and it did. I think it's a slower format when you do Monster of the Week because you're only allotting about 10 to 20 minutes for character development as opposed to, you know, a show where you actually can get into a character for like an hour. I don't think we'll we'll get that with this show, but I'm okay with that format. And I've said earlier, and I'll say again, I wanted to develop where they bring some of these characters back that they started with. And uh, it looks like they're already doing it with J. August Richards uh, in the preview for this week. That is going to make me very happy. So excited. Uh, I'm with you on this. I, I think there's nothing terribly wrong with Monster of the Week, provided that in addition to having a clever, and they always have to be clever, like they have to be at least decent Monster of the Week episodes, there does need to be a through line, at least in the subplots, where the characters move. And you mentioned Buffy, and yeah, Buffy was always very episodic. Uh, but by the second season, when it started really kicking in, the subplots would actually affect the characters and affect the main plots, and they would change. It wasn't just, oh, no, no there's another monster. It's, oh, there's another monster, and Xander is hooked up with Cordelia. Something actually moved. And and those individual episodes start to eventually form together and create a larger narrative. And it doesn't need to be super complicated like The Wire or anything. It just it needs to make it feel like, oh, I'm glad I watched this entire season because now everything is paying off. That's where I'd like it to go. Yeah, I feel like the show needs to start developing some more of these through lines. It needs to pick one of these things that it's been teasing and just run with that for a while, whether it's what's going on with Coulson or whether it's Sky's parents. Maybe it's, you know, bringing, bringing in a big bad of some sort. Uh, maybe it's having Coulson's team break away from S.H.I.E.L.D. Just, just something needs to happen that can act as an anchor for the show. And right now I don't feel like the show has that anchor just yet. We've got a lot of things that that anchor could eventually be, but it's not there yet. And, and that's really what I want to see. Uh, Scott, what about you? How do you want to see the show develop? I 100% agree with everything you guys just said. Um, and I would say I would also like to see one more regular cast member in addition to bringing back some of these other characters that have worked. Jay so August well, Richards. Yeah, sure. Great choice. Somebody else to be there around on the team. Yes, please a black person. Thank you. Me? Oh, I just want more naked people. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Don't we all... Wait, who in particular? Like, You know what? How about we just get rid of clothing altogether and we just have okay. all naked shield cast? You realize we're going to be seeing Coulson's chest scar a lot. Are you fine with that? They can't all be perfect, you know? Can't Not everybody's perfect. <laughs> That's my motto. It's got to be a good representation of, of America. I have that tattooed, like, naked on my body. Just like, they can't all be perfect. <laughs> Deal with what you got. That's what I say every time I bring a young lady home. Are you ready to settle? <laughs> oh, that's a great tattoo right there. That's the tattoo I'm going to get. Guards have mystery and, and stuff. All right. Well, well, do we have any other questions? Yeah, we have one more. Uh, also from Leonard Brothers. Does the constant teasing of key plot points with little uh, or no payoff to this point bother you? I think we've talked about this a lot. We've been talking about it all day. That's all we can talk it's about every talk week. About how much we hate it. It bothers Andrew and it bothers Scott a lot. Uh, I think it bothers me to a lesser degree. And I probably, I don't want to speak for Gwen, but probably Gwen to a lesser degree. Yeah. Because I still find the episodes to be entertaining. And my assumption is that they will 
pay these off at some point. I think nine episodes into just about anything of this ilk, the level of maturity of the audience, like this is not a adult theme show necessarily. I feel like we're about where we should be. I don't I don't feel like we're behind right now. Yeah. And I kind of like to infuse my own interpretations into things and kind of and that's why like it allowed me to be surprised with the beginning of this episode and then the reveal of possibly Ward and May have been hooking up for a long time. I like things to be shown to me. I don't like to be told things. I want to clarify because I think I'm the one who bitches about this the most. I don't need everything wrapped up in the first nine episodes. I don't need everything revealed in the first nine episodes. Hell, I don't need technically anything revealed in the first nine episodes. I'm sure they have plans to pay this stuff off. What I would like, what would make me feel rewarded as a viewer is a sense of momentum. A sense that we are moving forward and we're not at the very least going to tease you with the same tease over and over and over again. We're past Tahiti now. This is, someone pointed out, I think this is the first non-Tahiti episode. It may very well be, but, like, we need to move, like, to the next tease. You know? Like, we, Tahiti, it's a magical place. Now we're at the point where someone's like, what does that even mean? I would like to know that we're moving forward. That's it. I feel like it it makes me nervous for the show only because uh, whatever the payoffs are have to justify all of this. And that's the only thing that makes me nervous is like what could possibly justify eight teases about Colson's, mm. whatever it is. I'm more worried that it will come and then I'll be like, yeah, that wasn't worth eight teases. I got a theory for you. Alien Robo Jesus. <laughs> I think that will do very, very well for us. Wow. It's going to be big. I still want something crazy to happen. Like, I don't know. Do some Terminator stuff where uh, Melinda May is pregnant and ends up going back in time, and that's how she's Sky's mother or something. That sounds great. Yeah, totally. and then Ward is actually Sky's father. Ew. All right. Ward and Sky finally have sex. Sky gets pregnant, and Sky is Sky's mother. Whoa. Let's <laughs> just turn into Game of Thrones. All right. Well, I think that'll wrap it up uh, for this episode of the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. cast. Uh, Scott, thank you very much for joining us on today's show. If you're listening, you can write in and let us know what you thought of uh, this episode by emailing us at shieldcast at filmgeekradio.com or commenting on the website at filmgeekradio.com. You can also call and leave us a voicemail either through the website or at the number 336-793-2509. Be sure to subscribe to us through iTunes and Stitcher, and please uh, write us a review. That really helps us out a lot in terms of getting the word out about the program. And if you really like the show and you'd like to financially support us, you can donate to us by going to filmgeekradio.com and clicking on the Donate button. You can also use our affiliates page to visit some of our partners, including Amazon. Anything you purchase there, uh, we will get a small percentage of whatever you spend. So you can buy something for uh, Christmas, which is coming up, and you can help us out at the same time. As always, be sure to check out other great shows on Film Geek Radio, including Cinema Fix, The Thin Place, and our podcast all about the third season of Homeland, The Briefing Room. Scott Meslow, thank you very much for joining us on the show today. Where can people find more of your work? Yeah, uh, I, I write every day at theweek.com, uh, where I'm the entertainment editor. I review Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, every Tuesday morning. It goes up at Vulture, um, and I'm on Twitter at at Scott Meslow. Agent Bibbs, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at William Bibiani. You can find me on Crave Online. I'm the film channel editor. 
So pretty much all the film content is either mine or goes through me. We have a really cool exclusive half-hour video interview with John Sales going up in the next hour or two. Yeah, and I'm on KFWB, uh, 980 AM radio in Los Angeles on uh, Friday mornings. And uh, you can find me on the B-Movies podcast, uh, which you can subscribe to on iTunes, and I really wish you would. Agent Rod Morrow, where can people find you online? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at uh, Rodimus Prime or uh, Rod Live Tweets, where I do things like love Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and talk about it with all my friends. <laughs> you can also do stuff like uh, listen to my podcast, The Black Guy Who Tips, by going to theblackguywhotips.com or searching The Black Guy Who Tips on uh, iTunes and Stitcher. Agent Gwen Reyes, where can people find you? Um, you can find me at Twitter forward slash Real Vixen. Um, you could also see a if you're look if you're a reader, um, we have re- lists of seven books you should be checking out for Thanksgiving at freshfiction.com forward slash GMT, and then we you can also find me on realvixen.com. There's lots of Hunger Games goodness going on right now still because we love catching fire. I'm managing editor at moviemezzanine.com, uh, so go there to find some of my film reviews. Uh, we also just put up a uh, big retrospective on the films of Spike Lee in anticipation of Old Boy, so go check that out. Uh, you can also read some of my TV reviews over at patheos.com, where lately I've been writing a lot about Almost Human on Fox. Uh, you can also find me co-hosting a few other podcasts on Film Geek Radio, including Cinema Fix, which is a weekly movie review show, and The Briefing Room, which is our podcast all about Homeland. So go check those out and uh, leave us a review on iTunes. Uh, you can also follow me on Twitter at Ryder Andrew, and I hope that you will do so so we can keep talking about Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. That'll wrap it up for this episode. Agents Disassemble! This has been a Film Geek Radio production. Film Geek Radio! Yeah!